0: So we are now live, so we can we can share with the world what it's like being a CEO. It's a glamorous title, and I know that Kieran, kind of has multiple views on this, and this is gonna be interesting. Kieran Kapur joins me uh, today. Uh, we said we weren't gonna do a formal introduction, but here we go. I'm gonna do a slight introduction so that anybody coming to this uh, sort of unprepared, unbeknown to them, this is what we're talking about. It's about being a CEO. Uh, I've known Kieran Kapur, who is CEO at Cambridge Marketing College for many, many years. And and actually, I guess we've kind of grown up together in the college, if we could kind of look at it like that, um, because we started, way, 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 way back, literally decades ago, didn't
1: oh, we? Oh, don't say it like that. It was just last century from my point of view. I took my, my first class with the college in December 1999. So I can claim that it was just last century. So I don't know when you started.
0: It was it was pretty much the same week, I think. Right. It was about then. Frightening, frightening. But anyway, we, we're not here to kind of talk about that. I guess what we're here to talk about is kind of like the world of the CEO. Um, We're we're not talking about a global conglomerate here. We're talking about an organisation that has a global footprint um, that is very much cutting edge, well, attempts to be cutting edge in everything it does, and is an influencer in in many ways, many shapes and forms and guises, which I'm going to challenge, and we'll talk about this in a minute, I hope, um, Kind of by default, makes you, Kieran, an influencer as well. But we'll, we'll come on to that. What I want to start with, because I, I suppose lots of people kind of listening to a podcast like this will be thinking, well, what's, what is being a CEO? What does that actually mean? And I, and I guess if we can kind of go back a few years, did you ever think you'd be a CEO?
1: I did an MBA um, many years ago. So I suppose I sort of assumed arrogantly that I would at some stage um, run a business or, um, yes, I sort of assumed that I would eventually climb climb the ladder. And I assumed I was going into the main corporate world. That's where I was going to be. That's where most of my peers went to. They went to big consultancy companies. Um, so... Yes. Whether I ever thought I would get to the top and be the, the leader, no, I don't think I ever had seen that. And I think most careers now go in a much more squiggly path than perhaps you expect. So in, I started at the bottom as a marketing assistant, thinking I knew everything because I got an MBA. And actually, my first day, somebody told me to send a fax. Remember fax machines? I didn't even know how one worked. Um, so it, all sorts of you know, things that you have to learn right from the bottom. Um, I did some time as a consultant. Um, Obviously, then I ended up, and that's partly why I ended up at the marketing college, um, originally as a tutor and then sort of slowly working into um, more management and then finally taking over five years ago.
0: Five years. Wow. And again, well, we'll come on to kind of what those five years have been like, because obviously you you join i guess it's like a presidency isn't it really you kind of you, you know you get elected and then you don't realize actually what the next few years are going to become and then global things macro stuff kind of takes effect and you as a ceo have got to respond well we'll come on to that i, I i'm curious and interested about that kind of that that journey kind of through as you've described it the squiggly path i love that because i think for lots of us yeah we have no i had no clue how i was going to get to where i'm sitting here today wherever this happens to be um But in terms of kind of like a a sort of a desire to grow, I guess as as a college, one of the things, one of the mantras of the college is kind of continuous learning and development. Did you feel that that was almost a necessary part? of your kind of development or were there kind of peaks and troughs where you kind of just did the job, just got on with it and other times where you felt, no, I've actually got to go get another qualification or I've got to upskill in this particular area. Is, is, is that squiggly, that kind of personal development thing as
1: well? Ooh. Sorry, we had a, a blip at that point. Do I have to go and get another qualification? Um, qualification, no. Learning, absolutely. Um, all the time. Um, and I do mean all the time I've currently got, I have a long-term mentor who I've known even longer than I've known you, Neil, who's always been in the background and is somebody I turn to, and um, I currently am having coaching, um, coaching just as a um, to, for my own personal development, and a separate coach who's actually taking me through some sort of technical stuff on management accounts. Um, so yeah, always always learning or I do at least a webinar a month usually one a fortnight on different things Um, and I'm a magpie for for information and grabbing bits and pieces here and there so yeah I think lifelong learning really is something that's incredibly important Um, particularly it has to be said in the last few years it's been a a, an interesting time to have taken over CEO because I took over in 2016 we just had the Brexit vote it was all going through at, at the time. We, I think we, I think we just knew by then what had happened, um, what the result was, and so you sort of think Brexit is going to be the biggest thing that ever hits you, and then along comes COVID, and then along comes you know war in Europe. Um, it's it's been it's been a ride, and of course now we've got the massive um, economic challenges that are going on.
0: Mm, so wait, i mean, just sort of taking you back to that that kind of moment where. Um, you know, you were having the conversations, you'd been kind of sort of selected as it were as being you know the next custodian of this big family which I think you know anybody who's been involved either as a studier or you know a tutor with, with Cambridge Marketing College over the years knows that it is feel always has you know felt like a big family it's kind of it's it's a, an institution of its own right but you kind of feel part of something bigger than the individual parts uh, which is lovely and it's you know one of the reasons why I'm still involved you know, in lots of ways is because of that kind of family feel to it. When you had that kind of initial set of of, um, conversations and you were kind of obviously going through a thought process as to can I, should I, must I, do I feel kind of obliged to do it, kind of of where I am. Was it kind of, I just want to sort of get into your kind of mindset at that time. Was Was it something you would have thought at that point as the new CEO, right, I've got to make a change. I've got to make changes. I've got to make a difference. I've got to kind of prove my point and prove my worth. Or was it something that was more of a, right okay I need to continue almost like a legacy here I'm just interested to kind of delve into the the mindset of the CEO when they take over
1: you have to come in you have to believe that you have something to offer so yes there were changes I wanted to make um but at the time I took over, and yes, I was, I was the chosen successor from the original founder. Um, I had lunch with the original founder yesterday. We get on incredibly well. He's still, he's still around um, in the background. Um, so, yes, there were things I knew I wanted to do. There were changes I knew I wanted to make. But I did try in that first year, the most important thing, because I was taking over a college that had just done its, um, had its 25th birthday. So it was established. I had to initially go. There's nothing to see here. You know, the original founder has changed, but I've always been around. I am the chosen person. Um, We've. It's not daggers that I haven't stabbed him in the back. I'm. I'm. I'm here by choice. Um, And so you know, nothing to worry about. It's all going to be absolutely fine. And so initially, you're bringing in changes, but you're doing them in a very gentle way. I've got a team of people who I'd worked alongside, who had suddenly. I were now reporting to me. Um, you've got a team of tutors. I was one of the tutors. Now suddenly I've been I'm 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 the person they're reporting to. So there's lots of um things that go on that you're you're sort of trying to balance those things. And I'm I'm really chuffed you said it was a family, because actually that matters to me. It matters to me that the college is seen as warm and friendly. It was one of the first things I wanted us to be. Um So you're trying to balance all those things. But of course, I had my own ideas. I was I am younger than the original founder. i would got my own thoughts about how I wanted it to be. Um, He was very keen. that We went into publications. I was very keen that we we actually moved into other things. Um, I wanted to change the way we did our learning materials, all sorts of things. So it is a balancing act. Every CEO, every leader will tell you that there are days when you think, good grief, what am I doing? Um, When am I going to be found out? Imposter syndrome is alive and well and kicking. Um, The other thing you have to realise is nobody has any right answers. You spend your days winging it, but that's normal. That's what we all do. (laughs) That's an
0: interesting, yeah, there's a couple of points I not want to come up, um, sort of delve into there. The, the first one is this kind of imposter syndrome. Do you, do you feel that it's harder for a, a CEO kind of new in role to be kind of coming up through the ranks because of that kind of imposter syndrome than it is maybe somebody coming in from left field who, you know, clearly has qualifications and experience, but nobody actually knows this kind of there's almost this, this simplicity with that. It must be quite a complicated thing to suddenly be on top of all your peers and it's kind of like, right, who am I going to be? How am I going to be? How did, how did that work out?
1: It worked in the end. Um, yeah, it has its moments. But I, I can't honestly say whether it's harder to come in fresh because, of course, I've not done that. Um, I have been in as a consultant, but then you're as a consultant, you come in for a very short period of time to a company and then you disappear again. So you're there to do whatever it is you've been, uh, the client has asked you to do, whether it's to push something through or to make unpleasant decisions or whatever they want. And then you're off into the sunset. Clearly, when you're the CEO, you're not planning to go off into the sunset. You're planning to be there for a period of time. Um, so, yes, it has its challenges. I'm not going to deny that. But then it, you have to remember that it has its challenges for other people. I mean, I could throw it back on you, Neil, and go five years ago, how did it feel your side of the table? Mm. Might not want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I will answer it. I think, you know, to be honest, I think I was really kind of, I'd say chuffed, actually, was probably the right word, because I think I knew, obviously, that the founder was – you know, moving on and onto to new challenges, and I, I think I think from a selfish perspective, wanted to be sure that it was going to be diligently run. I suppose that that's a careful word because I think it had been very carefully nurtured in a certain direction, um, and a lot of the stuff that had happened. I guess, you know, as a a recipient of some of the strategy, I was involved in some of the planning and some of the management meetings and things like that. Very fortunate to be involved in that. But a lot of it was it had been crafted in a certain direction. So I think I was probably quite chuffed that it was you because I thought, well, actually, it's going to be in super safe hands because the diligent way, rightly or wrongly, that decisions are going to be made from here. It's not nobody's going to be. And it's really interesting that you say winging it because as a CEO, you come across as the last person who would be winging it. So this is a really interesting, I want to go here. I want to go here, Kieran.
1: Why, I mean, I I was, could, I'm not I'm going to say, no, no, that's not at all true. I I, I plan everything. You Inevitably, there are things you wing. Um, yes, I did have a strategy. I did have a plan. I, there were things I knew I wanted to do. Uh, like I said, I wanted to change our learning materials. There's also a certain element of, events dear boy events the great harold wilson quote uh, yeah things throw you off course because you're you've planned that you're going to be doing this and something else comes along be that brexit or covid so then you spend your time going right okay what do we do now and i think if anything covid taught us particularly with the you know the sudden hybrid working working from home trying to manage a team remotely never done that before trying to teach remotely um, we had we had whole tutor meetings where we just swapped best practice and dealing with this weird thing called remote teaching, because we'd not done it in the way we were suddenly having to do it. We had lessons on how to use Zoom, you know, all those things you have to do. Um, those are winging it because you're just dealing with one, one event after another. So while I'm pro strategy and planning, I'm also quite well aware that things will throw you off course, and that's when you are winging it. And if I'm absolutely honest, I'm finding the return to trying to get people back into the office, trying to manage at the moment where customers are saying, "Yes, we do want face-to-face classes," but then um, the pandemic is still going on, so we've still got infections. You suddenly you're trying to manage the fact that suddenly they can't come, or they're not comfortable coming, or the venue can't cope, and that's actually far as, as tiring and as difficult to deal with and as much a winging it face as anything else we've dealt with. Do you
0: respond well to that? Do, do you yeah. enjoy that? Is, yeah, because I can just <laughs> tell by the look on your face there that it, there's a kind of, there's almost like an excitement. It's almost like a childish excitement of like, yeah, go on, give me the next challenge. Go on, throw it at me. Go on, I can take this. Is, is that how it feels, really?
1: Yeah, because, I mean... The glorious thing about being the one in charge, and there are some downsides to it, you might want to talk about those as well, but the glorious thing about being in charge is you're in charge, you know, it's your, it's your, your baby and clearly you take advice and you, and you, and you listen and clearly there, I mean, there's a college history, we've now been going 30 years, there, you know, there's a history and a brand and all of that that comes with it. Um. But yeah, there's a real excitement. It's The day I came back to the office, having discovered that we were going to do apprenticeships, for example, now we've never done those in the colleges, they weren't available to us, they came in in 2018. And I'd been to a conference, I'd heard about it, I thought about it. By the following morning, I walked into the office and went, right, that's it, we're doing apprenticeships now. Yeah, that's brilliant, that's great fun. That's, you know, that's much more fun than working.
0: Mm. Now, there's an interesting one. And I I definitely want to talk about this. Uh, We'll come back to the apprenticeships thing, because I've got a view on what might have been your best ever decision to date. Um, (laughs) We'll come on to that. Um, I just want to go into this this statement there that you just made that I came into the office on the Monday morning and said, X, and we're going to do this. From a, a staff perspective, and I'm, I'm sitting here from a staff perspective, how does that feel? Because I've been on the receiving end of this. <gasps> Senior management says, we're going to do this. Hold on a minute. We've done a two-year program creating this strategy. And hold on, you want to do what on a Saturday morning because you were at where over the weekend? Is, is that the way to be a CEO? Tongue, tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, is it?
1: Is it? It's the way I am. And I've had to learn. And one of the other things we can talk about is the way I mean, I said I was having coaching and I go regularly on training. I have to learn. And one of the biggest things I'm having to learn is that different people need different things from you. So you can drop me in a meeting unprepared. I'll absorb the information. I'll have an opinion. I'll make a decision and I'll walk away again. And I'm quite comfortable with that. Other staff members the best way I can get something out of them is by saying 24 hours or 48 hours beforehand, we're going to be having a meeting, this is what I want to discuss, and give them a chance to think about it. Other people prefer you hit them with it and then say, I'll pick up with you in 48 hours, have a sleep, have a couple of sleeps on it, think about it, and then we'll make the decision in 48 hours time. So one of the things I've really had to learn is to find out how best other people need me to do the briefing. So let's say perhaps in 2018, I haven't quite learned that message. I also don't think, because I haven't realized quite what a big change I was introducing. You, you have I've heard of apprenticeships, I'm told there's a bit of paperwork that goes along. Ah, paperwork, we'll go with that. <coughs> As you know with the tutor, um, it's a lot more paperwork than perhaps I realized. I think if I'd realized just how difficult it was going to be, Um, I wouldn't have started where I started. And that's what I mean about winging it. It, We took the decision and actually I went to the conference on a Wednesday and we did it on the third and I was in the office on the Thursday going, right, that's it, we're off. Um, Just to put it in perspective. And we've done that with other things. Um, I had a conversation with a young lad talking about dyslexia on the Friday and by the Wednesday he'd started an internship with me. I wasn't planning an internship it just it was the right thing to do so and that's what i mean about having the flexibility and being able to do that sort of thing where the winging it comes in is then you you're suddenly backtracking going oh great i know this is the right thing to do now how are we going to get over this problem now how am i going to deal with that problem um and as you rightly said i love all that. it's great
0: so this i know it's the right thing to do that there's a real kind of intuition going on here isn't there so you're not necessarily basing this completely on a giant research project lots of fact finding there's a there's a kind of a gut feel with this particular ceo isn't there that kind of like it's almost like a knowing does that come from experience or is that from something else
1: it's partly experience it's partly um i don't want to describe it like gambling but um, there is a gambler's element into it, in that you only ever remember the things that work well. I have every year. We've always had a, um, a pot of money that was put aside, which is the Kieran Staffed Idea Fund. That's what I call it. It's not that it's technically called it's technically called the Innovation Fund, I think. Um, and that's it's currently five thousand pounds. Where I will just go right. We're just going to risk it, and we've spent it on doing an exhibition, or um, there was the year we did a pollard of telemarketing, or there's been various things we've tried I have to say every single one of those has been a complete waste of time and money but you don't know until you try it so I can honestly say five thousand a year I just write off um one year it'll work but I don't know until I try it could have been the most best the best thing we'd ever done was the telemarketing as it was it, it, it wasn't it's not worth doing it again we've tried all sorts of things with that um so there's an element of going, yeah, those were gut feels because I gave them a try and they didn't work. Um, other gut feels. I don't know what it was about apprenticeships. I just knew it was the right thing to do. Um, I've got the same feeling about the sustainability work we're doing at the moment. It's just it's the right thing to do. Um, so, yes, there is some gut feel and and some sort of. Um, And I think, yes, some of that does come from experience. Some of it comes from talking to people and absorbing stuff. And some of it just comes from waking up in the morning and going, yeah, that feels right now.
0: Mm, Because the timing, the, the decision, the kind of the... You know, all-in nature of that apprenticeship decision, and, and I know because I've said to you publicly um, in the past that I think to date that is your greatest decision. I think it was just it was just a genius decision at a, at a certain moment where I think a lot of people would have run for cover at kind of introducing something new and very very different into um, what is quite a broad-reaching organization. To suddenly say, right, it's actually we're going to. I use the word pivot. In a slightly different direction to the way that we've always been for 25 years, we're going to suddenly do this this new thing. The confidence required to make that call, because if it hadn't have played out quite the way it's played out, and it's played out very, very well, what would have what would have happened? What would, what would the Kieran Kapur be sitting here now if it hadn't quite played out as it did?
1: I would be insouciantly saying, like any CEO we're worth their salt, we tried that and it just didn't quite work for us. So what we're doing now is something else, because as the CEO, you can't sit back. You know, I, well, that's not true. You could sit back. I can't sit back. And I don't think I don't think growing companies sit back. Um, if you're going, if you want to grow a company, you've got to keep coming up with the next thing. However, you've also got to, and one of the things I am very lucky with is I have a team of people around me, including yourself, who will make certain that what we do is done to a very high standard. So I can go off and have the next wacky idea, but you can't do that if you haven't got the operational side behind you. And where I think some companies go wrong is where they forget that operational decision bit, because actually... I could not have another idea for the next three years. But if operationally things were good, we would survive as a company. So I do think that side is really important. I'm very lucky with the strong, strength of the team that I have around me that allows that to happen. And I always joke that I'm surrounded by completer finishers because I am not a completer finisher. But I make certain that in my team is balanced by completer finishers. So they will sit down and keep going through the detail while I'm airily doing the big picture stuff that's how a team works
0: Mm. so when you talk about this kind of the next initiative being the marketing sustainability side of things that would kind of tick all of those boxes i guess there's a macro need there's an industry including child institute of marketing and banging the drum for it there's new kind of courses that are coming through you've got the technical skills in-house to be able to deliver something is that then what might be turned a no-brainer? That would be an obvious decision to be making.
1: I. Th- the trouble is, if it's your decision, it always seems like a no-brainer, because that's how we make decisions, isn't it? It's a, well, it sort of. If you if you were doing a psychological profile on you, yes, you're quite right. I am a very sort of um, instinctive, gut feel go with go with how it feels person. But I think you always look back on a decision particularly one that works and go, well, that was a no-brainer, wasn't it? you know anti-clever. there are still ways that that could go that could not work. But actually, if we came back in two years' time and you said to me, Kira, well, Kieran, that was a you know that really didn't work, did you? I would probably still be confident enough to go, yeah, but we had to do it. We had to try. You know, it's it's important. it's something we should be doing.
0: Mm. yeah, and I, I guess it is that's kind of one of the sort of inherent responsibilities, isn't it through thick or thin that the CEO has to kind of rise you know above the, the possibilities that maybe even the senior management um, team could be sort of considering and playing with the CEO actually ultimately has to sort of you know take the heat from you know the, the challenges but actually take the glory when it actually does go well and there, there is no in between. there's no choice. Mm. the buck stops here, doesn't it really in lots of ways. So with, with that in mind, I mean, you, you said a little bit earlier, um, it hasn't all been great and there are always going to be challenges. Any kind of examples? Obviously, there'll be some that be possibly too sensitive to share on a show <laughs> like this. But uh, are there any that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about some of the, um, the finance side. Um, every growing company runs out of cash flow. You and I have had this conversation. I remember having it with you. Um, Until you've experienced it, you don't, intellectually, I can tell you, intellectually, I could have told you, I've taught it for years, that growing companies run out of cash flow. And basically, you need a certain amount of money to sell a product. So you sell that product and only later does the money come in. It's, It's that simple. So the more of that product you sell, the more money you need to service what you're selling. Once the money comes in, it's great. But there is a gap in the middle. Apprenticeships took off like the clappers. And there was there was some really squeaky times. Um, I have to say that's horrible. I, you know, I don't wanna to have to go through that again. Um, I would know how to deal with it now. But at the time I didn't, I'd not come across it before. I wasn't surrounded by people who necessarily had been through it themselves. And it wasn't until I reached out to some of the tutors and some of the some other management people who went, uh, what have I done wrong? Which is what I thought I, I thought it was. And they all went, it's called cash flow Oh yes, I teach this. But sometimes what you know intellectually and what you feel are very different things. That doesn't stop you having the three o'clock in the morning, you know, real worries about where the money is going to come from. You come out that we have we came out the other side. Um you know, those are uncomfortable times um we had the occasional the other thing I find with being the CEO is you're you're merrily doing something like bringing in the new strategy because that's exciting and that's fun and as I said it beats working and then somebody brings you a problem and it could be a complaint it could be an issue it could be something that's changed and you know oh I was planning to do this but events have now change what I was going to do and that that can require a sort of handbrake turn and a change and a and a rethink those can be uncomfortable those can be three o'clock in the morning not sleeping moments where you're just trying to work out what you do next or what should come next Um, and some of those are code related some of those definitely aren't they're just you know, events, they're things that happen as, as you run a business, not everything always goes smoothly. People don't always behave the way you expect them to behave. Customers have their own views on what they want. Um, and it, again, as you said, the buck stops with the CEO. If it rises up to the CEO, the CEO can't just go, oh, do you know what, I, I won't deal with that one. You, it doesn't work like that. You have to do deal with whatever it is. So yes, there are some uncomfortable times. There are times when you wonder why you're doing it. There are times when you wonder if it's worth it. But on the whole, overall, it's it's as I said, it beats working.
0: Because <laughs> it's not work at all, is it? No. It's a passion and it's a lifestyle now, I think it's become. So look kind of within a, a college setting, it is professional and commercial college. There's an opportunity here to kind of, and I know as the previous founder did, almost take these um, little kind of off piste moments where you kind of use the brand equity and the brand qualities and you know the people available to go and explore other things. And being a marketing college, by definition, you're talking marketing, you're talking communications, you network with obviously a lot of kind of like minded individuals how, and I'll I'll use the word with a small I, how much do you feel just by default that you as a CEO of a marketing college are an influencer? Okay, so this is an influencer with a small I, because I know, and I can tell by the look on your face, to be claiming an influencer with a capital I might be a step too far. But with a small I, I guess there's no getting away from it, is there?
1: you put this to me when you asked me to come on the podcast and I was thinking influencer. really I'm just I am uncomfortable with that as a, as a phrase because it just seems a very odd thing to say I suppose it's it there's a marketing mindset things influence influencers sort of people in on beaches in in Dubai doing things on TikTok or whatever um, I, I no i'm just uncomfortable with it i just can't i can't get my head around that one neil i mean yes you i mean you and i both write we've both written stuff for the marketing college we both teach um we i comment on things on linkedin so in as much as i'm active i am an influencer but is that any more than than you are or any of our other tutors are
0: i don't know well i would i would say that the the position that you've kind of Possibly knowingly, maybe not knowingly, crafted out because I mean you were the the, the voice of the college on uh, various radio stations through the college's podcast for for many years actually before you were um, chief exec and you've carried that on in various different podcasts since. Um, I think anyone who regularly podcasts would certainly be termed a micro influencer, even with a small audience. I know your audience is good, um, so. I don't know. There's people will be hanging on to directionally what you say, whether you like it or not. I think it is. It is. It is the reality that if you say with the founder or with other people who you interview, if you come up with topic ideas, you're clearly doing webinars and the like. I don't think there's any way you can really get away from it. And I think particularly with a. Um, an evolving audience that maybe are more junior marketers who see somebody who has been from marketing assistant all the way through to being chief exec of a marketing college. Wow, I mean, that is a wow kind of story and journey. What's not to want to emulate so, surely by default, that kind of puts you in. I mean, there's a responsibility, and we know that because if we do podcasts, we know we have to be careful with the messaging. We have to be, you know, diligent with the kind of topics that we we talk about and um, fair and equitable and all those amazing things. But there is some kind of, when you have a following, there is some kind of, you are influencing. And that's what I say. It's, it could be with a, a lowercase i, not necessarily a, a full force in bold capital I. But you are an influencer though, aren't you, Karen?
1: You're gonna keep going until I say yes, Neil. So I'll go, yes, Neil, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't a role I thought of. I know what you I know what you mean about the podcast, and I'm it always amuses me when I mean, we have a um, a role in the office, the phone rings, you answer it. And if if the phone rings and I walk past it, I will answer it. So sometimes people get a bit surprised because they've got me on the end of the phone, they've phoned up to query an exam date or whatever. And I quite often get from the students that's Kieran isn't it I listen to your podcasts and of course they recognize your voice. Um, So I think sometimes one forgets that the listener identifies who you are in the same way I do when I listen to any of the podcasts that I listen to. Podcasting is quite an intimate thing to do you sort of feel like you've got to know the other person even though clearly you haven't you don't don't really know them from anybody. Um, So yes all right I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one.
0: So do you think, I mean, just sort of more broadly then, the role of the CEO, the role of the senior manager, because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who aren't CEOs, um, but they might be in a senior management role and they might be sort of aspiring to that next level up. Do, do you feel that being the, well, let's just call it the voice of the organisation or a voice of the organisation, do, do you feel that's kind of an important or even maybe a central characteristic of a CEO, that they're kind of really consistent, that they're able, confident, and willing to kind of step out and maybe put their head above the parapet and say, okay, I'm willing to have a view on this topic, and I will talk, you know, possibly intelligently on this, this particular topic, but I'm at least willing to go there. Because I, I know kind of a number of CEOs, and, and a couple sort of personally, who Would avoid that like the plague. They really would not want to be in that position. They've got a comms team or they've got a PR person who does that. They're not willing to be in that situation. But do you feel, particularly for something like a marketing college, that that would be a really essential characteristic of a CEO?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, that's not fair. I think, I think CEOs should look for where their weaknesses are. I've already said I'm not a complete finisher, so I have people that are. If your ability is to run a business but is not to do the PR side, then you are absolutely right to put a comms team around you and make them do that that role. So long as you are doing it knowingly and you understand why you're doing it, We've all seen CEOs, senior managers who aren't confident and are then stuck. You see those awful corporate videos where they've clearly somebody has said to the CEO that they've got to do this video. So they sit there looking terribly, terribly scared. That's not if if I was coming across that stiffly. That's not how the college should be. Therefore, the best thing to do would be to go. No, that shouldn't be me. It should be somebody else. I'm reasonably comfortable. So therefore, it's the right thing for me to be doing. Equally, there are other, other roles within the business where I need to go to somebody else. Actually, I need you to do this because this is not my strength. So the, I think everything has to be done in the right way for the business. And sometimes CEOs have to put their personal ego aside and go, well, where are my strengths? Um, and so... The answer is yes and no to what you said, but clearly for a marketing college, I came up through being tu- through being a tutor. If I'm not comfortable standing up in front of a group of people, then I've been a lousy tutor all this, all this time. So yes, for us, it is important um, to talk. Have I ever ta- thought about it as being an influencer? No, um, clearly not, because I was clearly disconcerted by your question. Um, but yeah, being the, being the voice talking about where marketing is, what marketing should do, yes, that is important. I possibly don't mm. have enough of it, if I'm absolutely honest.
0: Mm. And I think the world would appreciate it. I really do. I think that kind of maybe we won't use the word influencer, maybe thought leader. Is that okay? Um, yes. there?
1: More comfortable. Or just that's somebody talking up. about their experience. I mean, there are other experiences that you that you bring to any role. You know, clearly I'm female, you may have spotted, so that's there's some roles there, and I'm interested in female and leadership. I'm also mixed ethnic, so there's a difference there. Um, and as you said, you know I took over an established brand and and started to make put a stamp on it while also keeping what was always already there being on the shoulders of giants. that's also that's nothing that's an experience that I have that I can talk about if you see what I mean. But the other thing I was going to say is there is always that label if the CEO walks into the room, it's the ceo of the cambridge marketing college or it's the ceo of, of somewhere else you you can't step away from that label you can't just go on oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just i'm not there now I, I, I always tell this joke against the story against myself but the i'd taken over a week and at that point we ran an evening thing called a, a which was the book club so we got people together I th- they weren't meant i think there were about 20 25 people that were coming that evening to hear a speaker and uh, they got a free book and I was driving to this. I've said I've been CEO a week at this point, and I was thinking in the car, I oh, wonder who's introducing the speaker. And I thought, hang on, that'll be me then. <laughs> and of course, you know, you're turning up. There is an expectation that you are going to do certain things. Um, one of the things I found, found the hardest to do, and in fact, I still struggle with it a little bit, is when people say, and our CEO will just say a few words. Because I always think. What are you supposed to say? You always want to do the Dumbledore thing where he's uh, what does he say? Um, Cough drops or or something. He does something silly because actually you're there to go. Hello. Welcome. Really pleased you're all here. Have a great day. Bye. But if you said it like that, it would sound ridiculous. It would sound as though you were parodying it and it would sound rude. So you've got to stand up and say a few words. But actually, people aren't there to hear the CEO. You're just there to be um, the figurehead for a few minutes. And I find that incredibly hard because if anyone's sitting there expecting you're going to come up with some sort of great statement, well, you, the chances are you're not. You're you're just there to meet and greet. You're a, a you know you're a, you're a, a titled meet and greeter. So uh, there are things that sometimes the CEO is expected to do that you sort of think, well, I don't know what 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 are you wanting? from me and that is one that i still struggle very slightly with so don't invite me to meet and greet for things i think that's that thing that's the answer <laughs> you've
0: made that one very very clear yeah okay you'll be in the audience but that'd be good you'll be leading the thought in the audience as a micro influencer yes yeah, yeah that's
1: back that's
0: now really really appreciate your um honesty and, and transparency through this conversation because i think you know it's been i think really enlightening for i guess a lot of people i I have two questions for you to to kind of round things off. And it's the same question, but it's for people at different stages in their careers. So if somebody is senior manager, could be senior marketing manager or senior manager, maybe in finance, HR, whatever, and they're looking to kind of really set themselves up and prepare themselves for that big push, either internally, or they're gonna be looking for that CEO role. What piece of advice would you give to them?
1: Um, it's the advice that I that I was actually given when I was at a similar stage and I sat down with a senior marketer and said, what do I need to do in order to break through? And her advice was to do everything right and then think what the extra pluses that you can give. So if you're in a meeting, you're there. It's very important that you, you speak up it's particularly hard for a woman, actually, sometimes women tend to sort of sting that. Even now, you'll find that meetings can be dominated by men. I will still sit in a meeting, and if I notice that the men are mainly dominating, I will simply speak just to be a female voice and different voice. I'll find something to say. Um, I don't usually struggle with that. Uh, so it's being present. There is a huge assumption that good work will be rewarded, Well, good work, marketers should know good work is rewarded only when people know that it's there. In the same way you sell a product by talking about it, you sell yourself by talking about it. You don't have to be um, egotistical. You just have to have an opinion and a voice and be seen as somebody that has ideas. So that's what she meant by having the plus point. It's not just doing the job. It's having ideas about the job. So... That that visibility, I think, is very important.
0: Mm, that's an interesting. I would never, in a hundred years, have come up with that answer. So I'm really pleased I asked that question because I didn't think you were going to go there. So that that sounds really, really good.
1: You, so same question. Right back now. What would you have well, gone? I,
0: well, it's interesting because I, I would have assumed it was more about the the sociability of that step up. In other words, the the creation of the network or the um, the collaboration or the putting together the kind of the um, the teams surrounding you or something like that. Whereas you're saying it very much comes from kind of within rather than the the sort of the extroverting of that role. So I think there's a lot more control over your option. I, I'd rather go down your option. I think.
1: I think maybe there is a lot of control and maybe it's, a, maybe it was the sign of the organization I was working in at the time, there wasn't a huge amount of collaboration going on. Um, so, but yeah, I think, I think the changes come from within you and you can't have a collaborative network if you're not seen as somebody people want to collaborate with. So you've mm-hmm. still got to be visible.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, totally get it. So the same question then, but to somebody quite junior. So maybe somebody who's in their marketing exec kind of role and has this, you know, fire in their belly that at some point in the future, I'm going to be Kieran, I'm going to do this, I can do this. What advice to them at that stage of their career?
1: Have the fire in your belly, have the confidence of your convictions. Be wrong. But be can't be be strong about it. I'm in, I'm a musician. You can possibly see the music stand behind me. Um, you know, we always say there's a, a saying within music: if you're going to play a wrong note, play a strong wrong note. You know, be be loud and proud because um, a strong wrong note sounds better than a a, poor, a weak wrong note in a funny sort of way. So be can't be passionate. Um, I said I took an intern on within a week. What I saw was a passion. What I heard was a passion in the voice that made me turn around and go, I don't know what I can do with this, but I know I want that passion on the team. Um, that matters. Um, so you know, the other thing I would say is be interested in what's going on. It worries me when a junior person isn't aware of the whites. I don't expect a junior person to know everything about the wider business. Of course not. Um But I do expect them to know a little bit about beyond their own little tasks that they're doing so that you should have an idea of where that fits in into the wider team. You should know if and whatever it is you're working on, if you're working on the website or the social media posts, you should know what your competitors are doing. Or you should be looking and going, have you seen, have you seen this fantastic case study that somebody else is doing? We could try something like that. And that's back to having the visibility and the ideas and a passion. It tells me you're interested if you're bothering to come up out of your little tasks and look a little bit wider. Um, that, and it's, I think it's that change of focus and that ability to change focus that tells me that somebody is going to go further or is ready to move further. Again, and then, the thing, it's something that you can control doing.
0: Hmm. Yes, and I think there's a theme, isn't there, really? It's It's down to the individual. If you want this enough, you can do it. And Kieran is a you know, perfect example of somebody who's had, and I'll go back to your phrase of the ziggy-zaggy approach through a career from marketing assistant to chief exec
1: because you can't can be done career i mean um, you know, family comes along and children come along and other commitments come along and covid comes along and pandemics and 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 all sorts i mean you and i have had a career that's gone through two three major recessions you know, these things happen i i left university with a, with an mba assuming the world was going to be my feet into one of the worst graduate recessions there has ever been uh, beyond the, the current one that looks like it's coming um you know, I took the first job I could get which was a marketing assistant in a city firm that was not what I expected to be doing my peers were going off and earning three times what I was earning uh, working for consultancies Um, and there's an element of me going yeah look whose career went the furthest but sometimes it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work it it really doesn't Um, and you just yeah, and luck also plays a huge part. I'm, not, I'm, you know, I was in the right place at the right time to be seen to then take on the CEO role. And I think any successful person that tells you they weren't lucky is lying. You know, luck plays a huge part.
0: So luck maybe comes in the form of the energy that you put out there. You talked about the fire in the belly. We both we both mentioned that phrase. Is if you've got enough of that and you make yourself visible. And you do the hard yards, and you're present, and you're awake, and you're like a sponge consuming stuff, continually developing yourself. It feels like that, almost like all of those things are the magic ingredients. It's not not one thing, then, from what you're saying. It's it's a mixture of all of those things in the pot that creates the uh, the end recipe.
1: I I agree with you. And if you, I mean, I'm going to turn it back on you. Your own career is zigged and zagged. You've, you know, events change, things change. I don't think when I first knew you, you thought you would be doing what you are doing now. And yeah. if we're going to talk about influencers, Neil, you're sitting there as a massive influencer in the, area, in the areas that you work in. And I think that's something that you've grown and you've developed and you've made happen. Um, again, through a fire in your belly, you've been interested in different things. So you've explored them. I mean, if you ever want to know how a new piece of technology works for teaching or whatever, Neil is your man, because you will have played with it. <laughs>
0: I'm curious. But it's about being constantly curious. I think you're totally right. And thank you for the uh, the little nod there, because it, it is. It's just about that hunger. And I think for most of us who are like this and built this way, it's never going to stop. And I think that's often for me an indicator of whether you've got it or you haven't got it is are you actually ever going to use the word retire? Because it always just feels like you're going to continually reinvent yourself. And I think that kind of, to me, that's where the energy comes from is because you'd never want to, because as you've said, it's not really a job, is it? It's not really kind of a proper job or day job or anything like that. It's it's a lifestyle and it's a commitment to something that's bigger. And to me, that's what's exciting about this. And I'm sure, you know, just by the way that you know you're describing it, it kind of feels that way for you as well. Yes, we have home life and we have all those other passions that we have, but actually it's not really work
1: work is when is people that get their hands dirty work is is getting up in the morning sticking on a hard hat doing a hard physical physical job and coming home at home at night that's a and and sadly for many people is doing two jobs in order to make ends meet that's work and what I do is yeah all right I quite like calling it a lifestyle but um it's it's a lot of, it is a lot of fun. There's, there's some rough times, there's some down times, there's times when you're winging it, there's times when you wonder why you're doing it. There are also times like uh, at the moment where you're sitting around going, hey, this is great.
0: And I think on that note, we will say thank you, Kieran, for your wisdom and insights about being a CEO. So this has been Kieran Kapur, Chief Executive Officer of the Cambridge Marketing College